0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Significant conversation coming over this next hour. I hope you can stay around. I think you'll glean not only one of those issues of our Australian history, but also the lessons that can be learned from that and what comes with strength of faith in Christ when you're facing a dreadful ordeal. It is an amazing story we're going to tell today of the Victorian school teacher who carries a message of renewed hope in a troubled world. And for those who were around in the 1970s, you might remember the famous story of the Faraday kidnappers who had escaped from prison and eventually kidnapped a teacher in a rural town, Faraday, in Victoria. Well, one of those two escapees tried it again some years later in 1977. This time, bursting into a remote South Gippsland school and at gunpoint, taking the school teacher and nine students hostage. The school teacher on duty that day at Warene State School was Rob Hunter. He was just 20 years old then. It was only his second week as a teacher at a small, remote school in South Gippsland. The hostage drama sent shockwaves around Australia. Rob has recorded his story in the book that's entitled "Day Nine at Warreen: A True Account of the Crime That Shocked Australia." Our privilege to have Rob Hunter on the line with us today. Hello, Rob. A special welcome along to <coughs> 2020. Good morning. Good
1: morning, Neil. Good morning, listeners.
0: Hey, Rob. Uh, Day nine at Woreen. It took you 39 years after that Mm. kidnapping ordeal to write your book. And no doubt these stories had been going around in your head. It's probably just as clear today as the memory has ever been. So I wonder if you can take us back to that day uh, when you were in class and you had uh, just a small number of students, remote School in Gippsland. Give us a little insight. Take us back to that day.
1: Yeah, thanks, Neil. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is very vivid in my mind. In some respects, even though it was, it's now forty-two years ago. But yeah, it, it was my ninth day. Um, I was only twenty years of age, and we'd had um, eight very good days. I had nine children, um, three grade six. Children, a grade two, grade five, a grade four, a grade three, and two grade ones, and um, I thought I was uh, um, doing a pretty good job as a in my first year out of teaching. I'd had three very good years of teacher training at uh, Bendigo Teachers College, and uh, so this particular morning everything had gone normal as uh, as could be. And then at ten thirty, I let the children out for recess. And they came racing back inside seconds later saying, Mr. Hunter, Mr. Hunter, there's a man outside with a gun. And uh, yeah, that's where it started. And I went to the door and I was met by this balaclava hooded man um, sweating profusely, um, puffing uh, as though he'd just run a 400-metre run and pointing a gun directly at my chest saying, get back inside or I'll effing shoot you. Um, I did what he said and uh, the children, you know, had already come back inside at this point and um, yeah, we we sat down, we did what he said and ultimately we got, we got taken away, uh, chained. Uh, we were chained up initially, uh, all of us, 10 of us in a row in a chat with chains and then um, driven away from the school um, at breakneck breakneck speed along a, a dirt road called this called the Grand Ridge Road, which follows the Streslecky Ranges in that part of South Gippsland, and I'm I've actually been separated now by um, I, I was put in the, the front of the vehicle, blindfolded, gagged, uh, hands tied behind my back on the floor of this utility, and the nine children are. With their chains still in the back. And we got driven for around about two hours and uh, and that was pretty pretty horrific until um, the un- an unprecedented thing took place which was a god a God um God's intervention really. Rob intervention we'll get
0: to in that state. in just a few yep. moments. But let me just take you back to the classroom for a moment. Yep. Because yep. the man outside carrying the gun in those days and we're talking about the 1970s farmers everywhere carried guns. So in those days the man at the door though wasn't a farmer. He was wearing the balaclava, as you say, and, uh, and, uh, you know, no, uh, not, uh, putting any sort of, uh, issue with, uh, with the colouring on the bal- balaclava, but it was a Collingwood football beanie. Uh, I mean, I, do you, do you get a laugh when you say that when you, when you're telling your story? Yeah. Well, um,
1: yeah, I, I personally for Geelong, and Collingwood <laughs> is, is one of those teams which, um, you either love or you, or you don't, and, uh, I'm not particularly fond of Collingwood, so yeah, it wasn't significant in a way, but but yes, it's, it's sort of comical now, thinking back on it, yes.
0: Do you still hear from the students who were kidnapped with you on that day? Then they were only children, they went through all of this ordeal at the same time, and we can get to some of the things that they went through, but do they still have a sort of Rapport with you—you you have a special connection because you went through that ordeal together. Yes, it's, it's a
1: fascinating scenario, really, how that unfolded. for For thirty nine years, um, we we didn't have uh, contact. I, I finished a year teaching at that school um, with five of those nine children only. The f- four of the eldest went into the to Gatha. To the nearest uh, school getting ready for a high school, Uh, the four of the eldest went in there. So I I finished the year with five only Um, but after the year I didn't stay close to um, all of the children. I did keep in contact with one family who moved um, into Northern Victoria where I'd moved uh, to as well but um, no we hadn't Well, you had not kept in any contact until I realised, okay, it's time to write this book. Um, Well, that in itself came about by one of the grade six students who was then a 48-year-old girl, a a woman who came to visit me to say thank you. Um, Around about 38 years after the event, uh, she hadn't seen me since the the rescue. um, And... Uh, yeah she she she'd been burdened I think um, and encouraged by a series of events to to um, chase me up and which she did and we had this very special meeting where she just said thank you
0: and no doubt for her that may have been quite uh, people use that terminology cathartic, a little bit therapeutic, having heard you tell the story of your own trauma because undoubtedly she would be able to empathise with you in the things that you'd gone through. Let's come back to just some of the things that were going on when you are confronted by a gunman. You mentioned he pointed the gun at your chest. Mm. And, of course, it's a gun in the hands of an escaped prisoner, which you didn't know at the time. But uh, what's it like having a gun pointed right at your chest and being threatened that do what I say, or I'm going to kill you. Mm, Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, it was a revolver gun, which was significant. It wasn't a rifle or shotgun. It was a revolver, uh, um, which looked to me like it was a feed income gun, Um, and I assumed that it was loaded. And um, Actually, I don't think I ever at any stage... Didn't think it was loaded. I thought the whole thing was very serious, and so that gun—that gun had a lot of clout. I suppose um, we weren't quickly going to do anything against uh, this gunman who'd come in wielding it. Um, so we continued to do what he what he said. I, I had this—I had this premonition, or had a had a sense, and because this is sort of. Way my life had unfolded to that point that nothing ever, nothing like this had ever happened. And I'd been able to get out of uh, all sorts of uh, problems um, by um, talking my way out of it, I suppose. And I so I said to this gunman, uh, I can write you out a cheque. Um, how much would you like me to write it out for? Um, and he said, No, mate, that's not the sort of money I want. And he was describing that he had to take us away and he was going to chain us up and he wanted some demands met. Just do what I say, kids, or the teacher will get hurt. Um, He didn't like teachers. He called me teach.
0: Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. And, of course, uh, we'll get on to a ransom that he was making a demand for. But you were blindfolded, gagged and bound uh, he'd come prepared with a particular chain uh, mm. that would uh, would certainly uh, hold you uh, without, uh, a means of escape. But as I understand it, when we talk about blindfold, I mean, a lot of listeners will be thinking about what we've seen in the movies, uh, blindfolded, gagged, and bound. But your blindfold, as I understand it, that was with, it was like it was tape. Uh, it was across your eyes, uh, very painful when it eventually came off. But give us an, just give us a, paint us a picture for just how you were bound on that day.
1: Yeah. So initially we were, the 10 of us were, um, in chains and then uh, he, he left us momentarily in the classroom um, chained to the wall and he had to go and get his vehicle um, and when he came back with his vehicle um, he then took my chain off and then put this masking tape across my mouth and across my eyes um, and and hands behind the back chained me up. The children were watching this, this whole process, which um, must have just been unbelievable for them. And um, that, the, you know, the teacher uh, is being, um, these sort of obscenities really are being done to their teacher. Um, yeah, so... Oh, I didn't, I, I didn't actually know whether he was going to take me with me. I thought he might have uh, left me behind or, or put a bullet through my head and just taken the children by himself. Um, but I, I don't, as, it sort of, as I thought about it afterwards, I realised, well, he didn't actually want to leave a trail of, of destruction. He left a, a note on the door, gone on a nature study trip, be back in one hour, which was quite a smart note so that anybody who turned up um, would, would give him an extra hour at least um, or anyone anyone who turned up sort of I go I I won't come back until half past 3 and pick the kids up then sort of thing you know um, so yeah there was a few few things like that that he was very well planned you know, like you said
0: you were disoriented because you were blindfolded gagged and chained And you were loaded into the utility, a a Dodge Ute. There was plenty of room in there because, obviously, the kids were in the back, nine of them. You were there on the floor and the front of the utility. You're disoriented. And the gunman is driving, as you describe him, like a madman. Uh, Give us an insight into what was happening in the Ute on that day, and no doubt on on, uh, remote country roads.
1: Yeah, so I'm on the floor. Um, the children are in the back. Um, we're sliding around corners, up and down hills, uh, going around and around. What I I didn't know whether we were going circles or what. I didn't know this part of the country, and um, I'd only spent um, nine days basically down there. And apparently, we drove along this Grand Ridge Road. Um, I had no idea what that meant. Um, I didn't find that out until afterwards, but yeah, I'm on the floor. Um, eventually, I get car sick, um, and so do the children in the back. Uh, a lot of vomiting going on. Um, thankfully, he'd taken my uh, gag off my mouth. Pulled I had uh, a, a, a beard, um, so there, you know there was a few. There's a bit, a little bit uncomfortable getting it uh, pulled off. I think, but. Um, I was able to then vomit um, all over the uh, all over the chair in front of me, and that was awful. Uh, that went on for quite a long time, I think. Um, yeah, so I was feeling very, very, very vulnerable, and I think the best word was helpless. Um, nine children in the back crying, vomiting um, myself, vomiting. Having no idea where on earth I was, um, could have been going to the moon, uh, for all I knew. But he 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 asks me questions at this point and has, tries to have a conversation with me, which wasn't I wasn't quite in the right state of mind to be having conversations. And there was all sorts of interesting things told, um, some of them true and some of them not true. One of them was, I heard about this happening uh, previously uh, at Faraday. This, that's what gave me this idea to do this again. And I want to do this now so I can retire. Do you think I'll get um, uh, $40,000 for, uh, uh, for a ransom for you? These sorts of comments. Um, and I never didn't quite know what to say to these answers and I wasn't really understanding really what was going on. I didn't even hardly knew what a ransom was. The closest I understood to being a ransom was that Jesus had paid, uh, as a young fellow growing up as a a Christian family and in a church, I I knew about ransom from a a Christian point of view, that Jesus had paid our ransom, and I wasn't 100% certain what a ransom was being taken away demanding a ransom.
0: Well, Um, you're taking us into real confusion that happens when you are disoriented, In fact, car sickness and any of this that have experienced car sickness know just how uh, dreadful that can be. And and apologies to some listeners as we're getting quite graphic about what happened on that day. But it's all for a good purpose as we talk about what it is to go through a traumatic experience as Rob Hunter has done. And he's written about this in a book called Day Nine at Wareen, a true account of the crime that shocked Australia. We're going to continue our conversation in just a few moments. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. We're talking about today how you might find health after hurt. Our special guest is Rob Hunter. Rob's written a book called Day Nine at Woreen, a true account of the crime that shocked Australia. And as we've been hearing back in the early 1970s, uh, when Rob at gunpoint was, he was uh, Blindfolded, gagged, bound and forced onto the floor of a utility, nine children who were in his care at that small uh, Victorian school uh, loaded into the back of the vehicle too and disoriented, sick, dehydrated, screaming, vomiting. And as we tell some of those gory details, gruesome details, about what it is to undergo trauma, Rob, let me just take you to, if that wasn't bad enough, with the gunman driving like a madman, eventually crashing the ute. Take us through the experience of actually then, as sick as you were, going through the crash. Mm, yeah, good, Neil.
1: Um yeah, so two hours, I suppose, we'd been driving. Uh, we had stopped briefly at a little town called Mirboo North to host the ransom note and then continued on our way. And occasionally we'd pass a vehicle um, and I reckon one or two of them had been trucks because I could hear the, the loud noise of a of a, of a truck. And, uh, and then all of a sudden... Um, well, I suppose it was totally all of a sudden because I think I heard that there was a truck again, um, and then we ploughed into this truck. And from my blindfolded stay, all I all I knew was that we'd had an impact, and I banged my head against the dash, and the children were flung, and um, I banged then my head, my shoulder against the door, and um, and uh, our kidnapper. Um, is uh, swearing and cursing um, logging trucks Um, and he can't get out of his vehicle. Eventually we come to a stop. The the, the impact uh, as we ploughed into the back of this uh, logging truck pushed us backwards and I hear one of the children at the back saying, hold still guys, don't move or we're going to go over the edge and uh, I didn't know what that was all about but at that point... Uh, the, our kidnapper can't get out of the vehicle because um, it's smashed up so much. Um, he eventually is able to wind the window down and um, jump out, and he then kidnaps these two men that are in this truck. And that truck, uh, this becomes a game changer for this whole thing because up to this point, um, the kidnapper had had everything on his terms. Um, everything had sort of gone according to plan to his um, his plans and but now this was the intervention. Um, this was a god-given intervention and I didn't know about this really until I started writing the book and and reconnected with that with that truck driver. His name was Robin Smith and he became not then, but um, the next day he became the
0: hero. Let's talk about, about let's talk about what happened, uh, of course, uh, with those two men uh, from the truck being kidnapped. And you say this was a game changer. And as you reflect on the experience of that day going through the accident and there you were even precariously close to the edge of a cliff to 60 or 80 meter drop at the cliff edge there. When you were a young man, just 20 years of age, these children in your care, and at this time, you were a young Christian man. I wonder how you reflect on faith in an experience like this, Rob. What happens to your thoughts about where is God when you really need him and uh, all of these dreadful things are happening? I wonder if you reflect on uh, how you were even thinking around that time or reflections that you've had uh, since that time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I reflect on those things as of as in the book, uh, Day Nine at Wereen, where was God at that moment? Where are my friends? Where's my family? Where's my support? These two men actually become a gift uh, because I- I'm able to... I get, we end up getting chained together, these three men, the chains taken off the children. And there's a relief because I've got a mate. Um, I've got two mates um, two blokes who I think okay beauty uh, i'm'm I'm, I'm not by myself here uh, i 'm not quite so vulnerable up to this point. I really thought that I might have been shoved out of the vehicle uh, with yeah. either a bullet or or just left for dead um, but so these blokes become a great comfort it's a funny thing all so much of what has happened it went over my head um. The element of surprise, not really knowing where I was. I prayed. I would have prayed. I, to be totally honest, I can't actually remember praying, but I must have because God help me. I, I think I would have said, "Lord, help me here," um, because I actually thought my my life was going to end. Um, so, and I was a committed Christian. I'd always I'd been a grown up in a strong Christian community. A beautiful family, and I made a decision to be a Christian as a young fellow at the age of fourteen. It was a, it was a, a dramatic uh, decision at a at a rally, and um, God had, had meant so much to me throughout that time. And I continued um, in youth leadership and uh, youth groups and all sorts of things. So, you know, I, I would have read my Bible that morning, and I would have prayed on my way to school. Um, so. Although I can't actually remember saying, Lord help me, um, I must have.
0: (laughs) And your reflection on that sort of thing happens when you start to, when the dust settles and when you start to reflect on what you'd come through and the fact that you'd survived. uh, That's when I guess you start to reflect on how you were sustained in the time that was very traumatic. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. and. To know that God had me in my hands, had me in his hands, to know that afterwards was probably just as important as at the time, if you know what I mean, because the recovery from my trauma, knowing that God has you in his hands and that he has a purpose and that he's always with you, um, was so reassuring afterwards. Right at that moment, I've got to say, I probably... Wasn't really thinking along those lines other than the fact that I had this probably a deep assurance that it'll be okay.
0: And a deep assurance is something that's important to sustain you when you haven't even got time uh, to yes. think. Uh, Rob Hunter yes. is our guest. We're going to break for Vision National News and we're going to continue our conversation. The school teacher on duty that day at Warin State School was Rob Hunter. He was just 20 years old then. It was only his second week as a school teacher at a small remote school in South Gippsland. The hostage drama sent shockwaves around Australia. Well, Rob has recorded his story in the book entitled Day Nine at Woreen, a true account of the crime that shocked Australia. And Rob, will reflect a few moments on some listener comments that have come through on Facebook. Uh, We've heard your story. Uh, You were there, uh, a gun pointed at your chest. Uh, Then eventually you were blindfolded, gagged, bound. You and the children loaded into the utility. The driver drove like a madman. Uh, You were no doubt bruised and battered by his driving technique. Uh, You were dehydrated. Car sickness led you to be vomiting. The children in the back were vomiting. He eventually crashed the ute. And, of course, we could get to a point where we hear of his demands as a ransom to let you go. You were held for a number of weeks. I wonder whether you can reflect for a few moments here, Rob, on the fact that when you go through such a trauma like that, that these sorts of issues can replay in your head over and over, and perhaps even for many years, what are your thoughts about how trauma affects you after the event when you've been there and you've done that, but it still doesn't seem to go away?
1: Yeah, good meal. Yeah, so trauma is um, well diagnosed these days, and it wasn't in 1977. There was no such thing as post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, but, yes, I had... Probably not a serious case of it, but I certainly had a case of it. Flashbacks, um, uh, lots of uh, recurring thoughts, um, nagging thoughts, I suppose. Um, and I think one of the one of the biggest um, temptations, perhaps, or worries, or concerns, um, mm. problems for me, may have become uh, self-absorption, um, becoming self-totally absorbed by what's happened, you know, and, um, wallowing in your own uh, mess or hurt. Um, and the beauty about uh, the Christian gospel is that if you follow God's ways, there's some really healthy principles which you're able to, to follow. Um it, the Bible doesn't talk about them as being, um, you know, health after hurt or, you know, remedies for post-traumatic stress disorder, but, but nevertheless they are there. Um, and so as a Christian, without knowing it really, I followed those principles. Um, and perhaps the most significant one is, uh, forgiveness. Um, Not holding on to a grudge, not wanting, not, not harboring resentment and reliving it with a vengeful, angry attitude, letting go, letting go. And I love being able to describe the, um, the image of those chains that had been around my wrist. If I didn't forgive, I would have been dragging that character around with me for the rest of my life with those chains but forgiveness unlocked the chain and i was free to move on
0: we've got some comments that have come through on facebook and i'll just let listeners know facebook.com forward slash vision radio there's a post you can respond to today penny says it took several years to recover after going through a robbery and i would once a year have the fear of going to sleep and not waking up. Also the fear of going to new places, large crowds and places where I just didn't feel safe. The one counselling session I went to was no help. Finally, prayer counselling allowed me to deal with it and then I was able to move on and take the fear out of my life and I'm planning to live a long life now with God in control." I wonder whether you've got some thoughts for Penny and the way that she's dealt with going through a robbery.
1: Yeah, yeah well, well said, Penny. Um, Penny's probably nailed it. or um, well, God's help Penny nail it? Yeah, one of the things that Penny said there was allowing God's love. Um, she mightn't have been able to use, she might't these exact words, but God's love. Casts out all fear, and going entering into His presence and and allowing yourself to bathe, I like to use that word, or bask in His in His love and His presence, and just have it flood over you is so healing. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's good, and and it's such a reality. These things that hang around um, and continue to come back. Uh, and haunt us, um, and they will haunt us if, um, if we allow them to. But God's given us the tools to be able to deal with it.
0: Good Rob, another comment here from Nanda Rico, who says, You definitely can recover. It takes time and willingness to let God into every area. I still find I act or react to a situation from past trauma, but the more I give it to God, the less the grip it has on me. So uh, I wonder whether you've got a comment for Nanda in that in that context. Yeah,
1: yeah, that sounds good too, Nanda. Yeah, well, um, giving it to, giving it over to God is is sometimes more easily said than done, isn't it? Um, and what does that exactly mean? I mentioned forgiveness. I think the other one that that makes so much sense to me is focusing our mind on gratitude on thankfulness um choosing to be thankful for whatever it is now i I guess for me with this kidnapping i wasn't thankful for the kidnapping as a whole but there were so many little things in it that i could be thankful i was so thankful for the timing of the accident The accident was obviously, from my point of view, a God-ordained moment that allowed things to change. The the driver of that truck becomes the hero and risks his life to save us. The police were awesome. So, you know, I focused on these things. and, um, And I can remember praying and saying, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for these things, thank you. And that sort of training our mind to think of things in the way God would want us to, I think.
0: Jill says, I think there are some things you will never recover from, but Jesus can heal the hurt and pain, and you learn to live different. What are your thoughts for Jill? I'm
1: not exactly sure what to say to Jill, but I guess the other part of of my my following God's principles is continuing to live out of a place of of love. Don't know how many times in the Bible Jesus tells us, or Paul tells us, or the Bible tells us to reach out in love, love one another as I have loved you, love, 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 love. It's just a repeated theme. Go out of your way to give and be kind and be considerate and thoughtful and helpful. To those around us, and the th- the therapeutic qualities of of just doing that is so is so healing. Just recently, I remember feeling a little bit down about about something one day, and I can and I reached out to somebody and was kind and thought, "Oh, hang on, <laughs> I'd forgotten about my downer everything's good, I've just been able to bless somebody and they've given me good feedback and um, who cares about the downer sort of thing, you know. So when you reach out to other people, you get over yourself and um, it's so healthy.
0: Let's come back to the story here Rob and there's lots of comments on Facebook and you might even like to respond to some of those yourself perhaps later on today but let's come back to the story here and what was unfolding because the gunman wanted a ransom. And you mentioned a ransom a little earlier on and uh, talking about a $40,000 ransom. Eventually, Thank he made you. a huge demand uh, and uh, he wanted uh, – let me just go through those quickly. He wanted to see the release of 17 of Victoria's Most Dangerous Criminals. He wanted an arsenal of weapons, $7 million in U.S. currency, 100 kilos of cocaine, 100 kilos of heroin, and a late-model car with a full tank of petrol. I mean, <laughs> I can hear that uh, that little bit of uh, enjoyment in your voice as you actually hear of what those very unrealistic demands were. But he did make a demand for a ransom, and you were the prize. You were the one who was being held, and those children... I wonder how you feel about ransoms today and the way the story unfolded towards the end.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we didn't know that that was what was being asked for at the time. It wasn't until the, uh, we were saved and released that we saw the um, the media uh, spread that across the newspapers. Um, and so, yes, a totally unrealistic sense of demands. And yeah, so I like to reflect on that word uh, ransom, and you know that jesus had did pay our ransom um that really was the limit of my understanding of the word and so um i I had a very vague idea that he was um doing something similar.
0: Uh, The idea that when we reflect on what has happened spiritually and as we talk about this as Christian believers, uh, the idea that Jesus paid a ransom for our release, uh, the idea that such a ransom was being asked for your release, there is a real parallel there that you can bring into that. Look, there are so many dimensions to this story and I'll encourage listeners who want to read uh, the most significant and gripping yarn about that Uh, traumatic experience of the 1970s, you might need to get a hold of the book. But let me just take you to the the last part of the game because he had demanded a ransom. And as I understand it, uh, as things came to a head, the then education minister in Victoria, whose name was Lindsay Thompson, under the Balti government in Victoria in the 1970s, early one morning, 6 a.m., carried ransom money in a car... Uh, police were, in fact, laying low in the back seat, and they eventually did intercept the kidnapper. How do you reflect on those uh, those last times? Uh, what is your understanding of the apprehension of the kidnapper in all of this, Rob?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, Neil. So that was for the Faraday kidnapping. Um, what Lindsay Thompson did there, and. And So mine's the Wurrung kidnapping, which is the second one. But Lindsay Thompson, once again, it's an awesome story because Lindsay was going to, do, wanted to do, or was prepared to do this exactly the same thing again. Wow. Hey, here am I. Take me. Let the teacher and the children go. So, you know, Lindsay Thompson...
0: <laughs> Let's reflect on this for a, a moment. We're talking about the education minister. We're talking yeah. about a high-level politician in the Victorian government he was ready to put his life on the line to save you. Yep. How do yep, you reflect right. on that? I mean, uh, oh, yeah. there's something profound in that, isn't there? Yeah.
1: He, and this is an understatement. He was a very good man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He was a very good man. And, and he continued to reach out to me too, um, Neil, and listeners after this event. He rang me um, on a consistent basis. Um, to just check on my well-being. How are you going, Rob? Where, what are you doing? Where are you, where are you teaching? And how's life? Um, what's happening with your family? At one stage, we were in um, England. My wife and I and our four children went to live in England for and work for three years. And he hunted me down while I was over there and had a really nice phone call with me. Yeah, so a very good man, prepared to put his life on the line for ours. Brilliant.
0: Uh, Let's then talk about the actual apprehension of the kidnapper here Uh, How do you remember the apprehension And I know that there were shots fired in uh, circumstances that you were in as well How do you remember the capture of the kidnapper?
1: Yeah, uh, it was a a hairy, very hairy, very dangerous uh, moment And once again, protection We were protected uh, amazingly so I mentioned that Robin Smith, uh, the truck driver, uh, had risked his life to save us. So he was able to get his hand out of the chain uh, in the middle of the night and he hoped that Eastwood was asleep and he waited and, and tried to bide his time for the right moment hoping that um, the kidnapper wasn't going to um, wake up. And not knowing whether he was going to wake up or not, he crept off in the dark and ran 10 kilometres to the nearest farmhouse and made a phone call. And the rest of us were asleep. We didn't know that he'd gone. And um, so police are are on their way. And meantime, uh, Eastwood wakes up. uh, Eastwood's the kidnapper. And... Eastwood wakes up and goes nuts when he realises that Robin Smith um, has has been able to escape. So we're all bundled into this um, uh, vehicle that we're now in, which then now belongs... Well, we didn't go to that part of the story, but we've ended up with a combi van that uh, is owned by two beautiful ladies who came along who were real godsends as well. And we're driving away from our campsite, trying to get away from what Eastwood realised was going to be the pursuit of of the police. And we ended up on the South Gippsland Highway and uh, he actually unknowingly drove into a hornet's nest of police and there's this high-speed chase along the South Gippsland Highway with shots being exchanged between Eastwood and the, the pursuing police Eventually our tire our back left right tire is shot out and we can't go any further and he surrenders.
0: Wow. Okay. And he was eventually sentenced to twenty one years in prison with a minimum of eighteen. He was released in nineteen ninety three. Uh, Any word on uh, where he is these days? Uh, Is he still alive? Do you know? Have you followed? Have you sought to follow uh, what's happened to him?
1: Yeah, I've taken um, some interest in in his well-being and I like to think that he's a reformed man. He's changed his name, um, become a a new identity, it seems, and there's been stories of... um, uh, some good encouraging stories, but there's been some other stories as well. He did he did do some silly things and got in trouble with police again. But he hasn't been heard of now for a good fifteen years or so, I think. So I'm hopeful um, that 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 he's a um, a reformed man. Mm.
0: We've just got a couple of minutes remaining for our conversation, and just to take us into what we had been talking about today, this idea of health after hurt, and a lot of listeners will have gone through their own trauma, and I have doubts as to whether anyone's gone through the sort of trauma that you're describing to us today, but I know you say in your book, the key is to let go of your anger towards the kidnapper to reject the desire for revenge. And you were saying that forgiveness is really a key element here. And that, of course, comes down to our appreciation, our understanding of what our Christian faith brings to the fore as to how we actually stay sane, how we stay healthy when we're facing dreadful circumstances. For people who've gone through uh, their own traumatic experiences, what's your word of encouragement to them, uh, Rob, as they're listening into our conversation today?
1: Yeah, good, Neil. Um, forgiving is not saying it's okay. Forgiving is not saying it's all right, mate. Whatever you did, um, don't worry about it. Um, it's not okay. It wasn't okay. It was. It was never okay. Uh, it was, in fact, it was despicable and not acceptable. Um, forgiveness is not saying uh, you'll forget about it because um, you won't ever forget about it. That will um, won't go away totally. And it's not saying that you've got to be best mates um, in a, in a married relationship or a close uh, relationship. That, that's a different story. Um, but in a situation like this, for, with somebody who does something despicable, um, you know, you're not expected to become besties at all. So that's sort of the, you know, forgiveness is not those sort of things, but forgiveness is. Um, Letting go of that right, if you like, uh, for revenge, and as God says, my it's it's this is my um, responsibility. Um, I think He says that Paul talks about that in Romans, uh, Romans twelve, or, or, or um, I think it might be twelve. Yeah. Um, so yeah, letting go like that is is uh, so healthy. So I really, really love being able to talk about these things in my talks, uh, Kidnapped Teacher Talks, Health After Fert, um, particularly with school students, uh, secondary school students, um, but lots of corporate groups and um, community groups have, have been getting me to share the story too. And it and it, it is, as you said, um, a promise of health um, uh, despite the, the traumas that um, people can go through.
0: Well, it doesn't matter how serious and significant the trauma is that we might have all faced at different points in our own lives. Uh, There is hope and there is health after trauma and it would be one of those central elements of our Christian faith is that it's God who helps us to be able to deal with the circumstances of our lives and to be able to, with courage, to face those circumstances. Uh, Rob, just one last little bit of wisdom from you for people who are suffering symptoms of trauma whether it's those ones who are staying awake late at night replaying the trauma over in their heads uh, tears uh, palpitations of the heart uh, angriness Uh, is it a simple prayer to let go of those things and perhaps it's an ongoing prayer but do you start with a simple prayer God help me is a good one. God help me. (laughs) There's three words in that prayer, and uh, saying those from the heart uh, is going to get the attention of Almighty God, who is there on our behalf. We have run out of time, but I know that there'd be listeners who'd love to get a hold of your book, Day 9 at Wareen. Woreen spelled W-O-O-R-E-E-N. A True account of the crime that shocked Australia. how do you encourage people to get a hold of your book, Rob?
1: Yep good. They can go to uh, my website uh, kidnapteacheralks.com and they can order it directly through me if, if they want. Um, it's not obvious there, but if they just go through uh, the contact there, they, I'll communicate with them and get, get a copy to them. They can get it from um, another a number of other um, avenues as well. Just, just Google um, day nine at Waroon, um and and and, it, and it's all there. I, I would love listeners um, praying, but listeners to uh, please pray for these talks and for God's anointing upon a, the book and 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 the talks that that it would be God breathed and a real healing opportunity for the world. <laughs>
0: KidnappedTeacherTalks.com to have that connection with Rob Hunter, our guest today and uh, quite an historic conversation I think we're having as you reflect on what was a crime that did shock Australia. Rob Hunter, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020.
1: Thanks Neil, thanks listeners.